Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality. Those that are new, I want to refer you to my website at ultimatemeaning.com where there's a flip book that you can read for free. And that is original writing by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me. A lot of the print is highlighted in red, and those are actually links to YouTube videos, which are very profound and amazing, that highly confirm from many fields of science and archaeology the reality of what I am sharing about here. And I am sharing about the very source of reality, which is the ultimate perfection and manifestation of love, actually the very source of love and of all good and beauty is also the very source of reality. And it is only reality that can satisfy the inner core of your being. And this message is for all those that are truly desirous to find ultimate meaning and destiny in their lives. I will just briefly explain how I share this message. And for those that have heard my messages, maybe you can pop forward about five minutes to where actually the message begins. The Word of God says in 1 Peter 4.11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. When we gather together as believers in assembly around Jesus Christ, we are to seek to allow God to speak through us as the oracles of God. And it should be the common practice in assembly around Jesus Christ to always have total freedom without having to ask permission to use the mic or any of that to allow the Spirit of God to move upon each member of the body. And as the Spirit rises up in one, instead of quenching the Spirit, they come forth with whatever is being brought forth by the Spirit of God. This is more clearly amplified and understood by another verse, Revelations 19.10, which says, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we worship God, out of great love for God and great reverence in spirit and in truth, we are filled with his spirit and an overflow beyond ourselves. The results in prophetic utterances or in other words, speaking as the oracles of God. And that can come forth as a testimony, as a word of exhortation. It doesn't mean you're foretelling the future. It can come forth as a song. I have been in meetings where they allow this, and when the Spirit would rise in me sometimes, it would be to sing a song, and yet I didn't know what I was going to sing. I just had a kernel of what God wanted me to sing in my memory that he had impressed upon me. And when I would break forth into song, it would be a beautiful song. And sometimes I have experienced that in my prayer life to even be poetic. And so God is wanting us to stir up the gifts of God in us. And it should be that there is great opportunity and liberty and freedom in the whole congregation for them to be able to speak out of the Spirit of God as the Spirit of God leads them and rises in them to speak whatever they are to speak. 
The leadership itself doesn't even do that these days. Most of the time they speak messages and they do not seek to speak what God is wanting to say at that particular moment in time to his people. There's a scripture that says in Matthew 25, Blessed is that servant whom his Lord when he cometh shall find so do do doing. Doing what? Giving the sheep their meat in due season. We are those that are to always be hearing what the Spirit is saying to us as individuals and to the body of Christ. And this message is for these last days and to the church throughout United States and Canada and around the world to awaken the church to come into God's full purpose and calling and destiny in this hour for the church and for you as an individual. And so one of the things I do to facilitate speaking as the oracles of God is that I cast lots to get the possibility of any chapter in the Bible. And I do that with two random applications to get two chapters from the Word of God that would thus bear witness with each other as to the theme. Because when it is done in reverence and you're walking in a right and good love relationship with God, if you're so led to do it, it really works consistently. Sometimes the theme is not very evident. And so all I do is I take these two chapters and read them and meditate on them for half an hour and I speak as I am about to do now. I don't know what I'm going to share completely. I, of course, after reading those chapters, know the theme and that's about it. And so that way it facilitates that I don't get into my head, that I allow the Spirit of God to speak through me because it is out of worship as it says, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when you have a heart set and a mindset of worship while you are speaking, it allows the spirit of God to speak through you more fully so that you not, you're not so t much in a tendency to speak from your mind merely. I want to share what I've received today from the casting of lots and also touch possibly on the last two days, which I did not speak, on what I received in those days. And for those that have a problem with the casting of the lot, well, just know this. It's highly scriptural, practiced extensively in the Old Testament, used by the early church to choose the apostle to take Judas's place, used by powerful movements of revival, such as the Moravians, who even chose their wives by the casting of Lot before God. As it says in Proverbs 16.33, the casting of the Lot and the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. Before I do that, I always choose a worship song out of 1,257 songs. And many times I get amazing songs by the casting of the Lot that way as well which I do. Today, God just impressed on me the song. So that is the one we will choose out of a playlist that I have on my site at loverealize.com of wonderful worship songs that you can play on YouTube with all the words up there so that if you have an overhead projector, 
and you play the YouTube video through your overhead projector, well, there you have a whole amount of high-quality worship songs. And so today, the song that I have chosen, we will just play that first before the message. So we will just begin to do that song right now before the message.
Oh, how wonderful it is to come home to where you really feel in the inner core of your being, you are home. And those that have experienced being temporarily dead, such as Dean Braxton and Dale Black and Betty Cohn and many others, these are some of the people I wrote about in the book that I have, which you can purchase on Amazon, which is Afterlife, Incredible, Irrefutable, by my name, David James Thompson. They describe how they really knew they were at home there. I mean, to the very core of your being. It was strange that when I made a trip to Israel many years ago in 1999 to see a friend of mine get married in the old city of Jerusalem, that was a friend of mine from the Prairie Bible Institute that I'd gone to many years ago. <clears throat> I never forgot when the plane took off leaving Israel that I had such a strong sense that I was leaving a place that felt so very much like home to me. I felt it in the depths and the core of my being because we know someday Christ is going to set up his throne in Jerusalem and reign from there. And of course, that is for a thousand years. But after that, there will be the new heaven and the new earth. But I could feel that that was the place that was home. But there are many that have wandered far away from God. They've been disillusioned because the church that they've been attending, and almost all churches that people attend these days, even the ones that <clears throat> talk about revival a lot, are far from revival. They're a far cry from what God is wanting. There is so much that has crept in to so many churches, so that sheep can come there that are new, that have been saved, or others, and instead of being loved, they sense that people are not really loving one another, that they're cliquish. They sense the tendency of not being real out of our own self-righteous ways, that religiosity, and so many can become disillusioned when they, don't dis when they don't discover a very strong manifestation of the reality of God emanating from each member of the body and corporately also from the body as a whole. But the time is coming when John 17 will be fulfilled, where there will be such a unity and a oneness of us as individuals with the Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and with one another, that it will display the very glory of God that will be so attractive and beautiful, it will draw many people that have been disillusioned in this world of darkness and hopelessness and corruption to the glory and presence of God where their lives will be impacted forever with transformation that brings them fully into the kingdom of God. I want to share today the two chapters that I received and what the theme is in those two chapters that I received today by the casting of Lot. Amazingly today, 
When I cast lot with these two independent random applications, <clears throat> the first application came out on Hosea chapter 4, and the second application came out on Hosea chapter 14. Very rare that it happens that you get a small book like that and you get a chapter from both of those from two chapters in one small book like that. And there is a very clear theme in the book of Hosea. It is describing Israel that was once a bride and married to God, falling away and becoming like a whore, totally unfaithful and apostate. But it also describes how she will be restored in the last days. And there are many of those, as I've already mentioned, that have at one time known a measure of a relationship with God and have fallen away. And God is calling the black backslider home in these last days. And so the common theme in these two chapters is conquering the spirit of whoredoms, whoredoms that blinds from the knowledge of God to restore to the knowledge of God. And so I want to first of all read the two theme verses. First of all, from Hosea chapter 4. My people are destroyed. And this is verse 6 to 7. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore will I change their glory into shame. In other words, when Israel prospered, they, in other words, increased. And as they increased, they became at ease and they fell in to the trap of pride and a presumption to twist the word of God in a subtle way, to condone what is unholy as holy, to justify sin. And so that is what happened. They lost really knowing God. And of course, I'm going to read more in this chapter about that before we go on to Hosea chapter 14. But let me read, first of all, the theme verse in Hosea chapter 14 as well. The theme verse in Hosea chapter 14 is in verse 8. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard him and observed him. I am like a green tree. From me is thy fruit found. So the common theme between those two verses is that they came to know their true source of fulfillment, their true source of fruit. Fruit is something that's fulfilling. It's enjoyable to taste. It brings wholeness in your body. In heaven, when they eat fruit, of course, they don't use the washroom in heaven. <laughs> but when heaven, when they eat fruit, they can pick it off a tree, this beautiful fruit with so many varieties of fruit. And immediately another fruit goes in its place. 
These are people that actually were highly verified as dead for more than 90 minutes like Dean Braxton. And when they eat that fruit, or Betty Crone and others, Cohen, I should say, it is so beyond anything you can imagine that you could taste in this world. And, and it saturates your whole ultra-real permanent realm spiritual body, which is way more real than the physical body. And it's totally physical. You feel it just as physical as your physical body, brothers and sisters, and far more so. Except that you can instantly transport, you can float in the air, you can decide to fly, you can decide to walk and feel the ground running under your feet, and you can eat this fruit and feel the juice rolling down your 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 cheek after you've physically died in your body, in your physical shell, which is such an inferior dimension of existence compared to the other dimensions from the fourth to the tenth dimension as have been discovered by mathematical analysis through particle physics. So it's a far superior realm. And so you're eating this fruit and the fruit saturates your whole body with energy and life and the love of God. And it comes out as a beautiful fragrance and perfume and worship before God. Oh, how wonderful to find a love relationship with God of intimacy and union where you can partake of the tree of life and live forever. Unlike the tree of life that they failed to partake of in the Garden of Eden because Eve lost the fear of God because she bought into the doubt that said, hath God say, and the fear of God is a turning from the heart to rightly perceive God as ultimately trustworthy because of the perfection of his being of love. First of all, in its integrity, to not tolerate corruption or sin, but to be severe on it. His love always chooses the highest lasting good, that is agape love, as described in the Greek in the New Testament. Philia love is the emotional love, and then there's the eros love, which is the sexual. Well, the agape love can contain the filial love, and yet even independent of feeling, it always chooses the highest lasting good. Any choice that is less would obviously have a measure of corruption in it, but God's love is the opposite of corruption. It is the destroyer of corruption. It is severe on our lives as individuals, and in this world it's, it is severe. And thus we see the severity of suffering in our lives, and in this world because of sin and rebellion against God of our own free choice. And it's easy to get focused on the holiness of God and its consequences more than on the goodness behind the holiness of God, which is the integrity of his love that will not tolerate corruption in our lives. And so Eve lost sight of the holiness of God because she began to doubt and bought into this doubt. A twisted perception of God as less than God. But the genuine fear of God is a choice in the heart to reciprocate God as ultimately trustworthy because he is severe against what is contrary to love what is contrary to goodness, which is corruption that destroys goodness and fulfillment and ultimate destiny where there is no corruption in heaven. 
And it is only out of that perception first that there can be the perception that God is good, that his holiness is good, and therefore if he is good that he would not create his creatures without a purpose and a destiny. And therefore, because there is purpose and destiny, that he has the power thus to be able somehow to forgive without violating this integrity of his love, which is manifested, of course, in God's great condescension that he humbled himself more than you, a mere creature, on the cross and suffered more than you, a mere creature. He loved you that much as an individual so that you could repent and be reconciled to God. How can you reject such love? There is no love that can be imagined that is greater greater than this love, nor is there any love that could exist that is greater than this love that God displayed in Jesus Christ upon the cross as a perfect atoning substitutionary sacrifice for your sins. And I want to share with you here in this passage some of the rest of what is in Hosea here and what God is saying by these verses. We go on and we begin at Hosea 4, 1 to 3, and we read this. Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. It's the knowledge of God. And if this is not just some intellectual, theological knowledge of God, this is the knowledge of the heart. This is the experiential intimacy of knowing God. And it goes on to say, by swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood toucheth blood. Therefore shall the land mourn. And every one that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beasts of the field and with the fowls of heaven. Yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. And then he goes on. And that's all I want to touch on in Hosea chapter 4. We want to go now to reading a little bit more in Hosea 14. Here we read, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words and turn to the Lord. Say unto him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. And in the original, that basically means the fruit of our lips. In other words, we will speak to you those words that we will obey you and love you and we will bring forth the fruit to prove it. There will be fruits of repentance in our lives. Asher shall not save us. We will not ride upon horses. Neither will we say any more to the work of our hands. Ye are our gods. For in thee the fatherless find mercy. Israel had come to the point where they were so judged of God and under his wrath and judgment that they felt fatherless. And they acknowledged the reason. It was because they did not trust in God. They had lost that trust in God because they had lost the fear of God, which is that choice to choose to perceive God in the perfection of his love that is the only per perception of love that can be an ultimate trustworthiness. 
and they lost that. And so they lost their trust in God. They lost their knowledge of God. There wasn't the deep turning and the circumcision in the heart that God was longing for them to enter into, to come into intimacy. So he graciously tells them, this is what you need to do. You need to take words and just start speaking, confessing your sins, acknowledging that you're wrong before me and asking for mercy. And I will come as the father to the prodigal son to embrace you, brothers and sisters. He's calling you home. He's calling you home into an intimacy and an indwelling, abiding presence of his spirit within you that is beyond your comprehension at this point if you're fallen away. It says in the word of God, whoever believes, Jesus Christ said, whoever believes with their life into me out of his innermost being would flow rivers of living water. There is nothing more fulfilling than knowing the inner spring of the life of God springing forth from the inner core of your being that can only satisfy that God vacuum that you were created to experience with God. You were created by God for God's pleasure and your pleasure is only found in its deepest and fullest everlasting fulfillment in turning back to God and coming into that place of receiving the greatness of his love for you who laid down his life upon the cross and rose again so that you could receive eternal life. In thee, the fatherless, find mercy. And he says, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for my anger is turned away from him. Why? Because he came. He was cornered through the valley of Acre, which is also described and in the previous messages by the casting of Lot. I received also Hosea this week. And it was about them going through the valley of Acre, which means trouble, that they might find their relationship Again with God, they were cornered to the place of seeing how terrible their state was and how far they had fallen away from an intimate, loving, knowing relationship with their Creator. And we go on to read here in Hosea 14.8, Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard him and observed him. I am like a green fir tree. From me is thy fruit found. Oh, we read that already. That is the theme verse I pointed out. From me is thy fruit found. It was the spirit of wardens that drew Israel away from the knowledge of God. And what is the spirit of wardens? Well, you can liken it to a black hole in outer space. Anything that gets near a black hole is sucked into that black hole and is destroyed. Yes, like a black hole in outer space. It says, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. And the spirit of whoredoms is always very hypnotic and subtle to twist our thinking, to think that we can be accepted by God and have unholiness in our lives. I have been running into situations where the enemy has been trying to compromise me from walking a holy walk. I'm a young, I'm still young in my body because I'm very knowledgeable of health and 
well-being and I do exercise and so on. And so for my age, which I won't tell you my chronological age, but I'm a lot younger. Okay, let's put it that way. So I have, I've been single all my life and I have the natural drive still for desiring a relationship with a woman, a wife and all of that. Yeah, and there's times when the enemies attack me in that area and try to get me to compromise. Oh, and I've had people, Christians say, oh, it's not sin to imagine this and carry it out in a habit. No, it is. God is requiring holiness. He said, even if you entertain or think of the thought of fornication, it is sin. How much more if you have a habit with it? But today there are charismatic people that teach, oh no, that's all okay. It's okay, you don't have to live a holy life. God will accept you just the way you are with your sin. No, he won't. Well, what about the verse that says, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. You can't come to him without a heart that's truly acknowledging your sin and repentant. you're not coming to him. You may think you're coming to him in your mind, but you're not, or in your heart. But you're not unless there is the willingness to acknowledge your sin before God and repent, and he will be faithful and just to forgive us. He is calling us into holiness because holiness is the opposite of whoredom. Holiness brings wholeness. Whoredom brings an emptiness that causes you to grasp for more and more, but you find you can't feel that emptiness. And it causes you to grasp in a way that is destructive to your own life so that you make choices that are not the highest lasting good for your life, that are not an agape love choice, that are not an intelligent choice. Yes, the superior intelligence of the universe is God because God is agape love, a love that is a consuming fire of judgment against all that is contrary to such love and that is so great that he could become that perfect atoning substitutionary sacrifice on the cross for you. The result of buying into the spirit of whoredoms and justifying unholiness in our lives and yet thinking that we are, we can come before God and we can use all these gifts and be used of God is the counterfeit. Counterfeit of prophets. Counterfeit gifts of the spirit. A lot of counterfeit stuff is going on nowadays. I seriously question people that have claim to have had thousand trips to heaven, and they're talking about people that died of a drug overdose, but they saw them in heaven, and they saw them in the marriage supper of the Lamb. Do you think God wants people to know that? Do you think that that would not stumble people away from walking a holy walk? Do you not think that such a statement is being used by the enemy? I think it's pretty evident. We have to be on guard and not buy in to the subtle wiles of Satan that would harden our hearts with the spirit of whoredoms and take us away from the genuine knowing and intimacy of God. There's a verse, there's a scripture that says in Ephesians 4, 17 to 19, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened. This, these passages in Hosea are about losing 
that experiential knowledge of God. And here we see that it is the vanity of the mind that causes the understanding to be darkened so that we are alienated from the life of God, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. When you are alienated from God by justifying whoredom in your life or unholiness in your life, there's a blindness that comes on the heart, a hardness, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. God is calling us to turn with our heart to the Lord with true repentance in the body of Christ. To know that holiness is not a heavy, severe thing in our lives. It's the opposite. Holiness brings wholeness. You can be addicted to loving purity because you discover that purity with God is the place of the dwelling of his presence in such intimacy in our lives that is so satisfying as we experience the inner communion of the Holy Spirit and the overflow of the Holy Spirit as rivers of living water flowing out of our inner being from the throne of grace and the indwelling of God in us. Hardness of heart is something that we always conquer through learning to abide in him each day through a life of spending much time not in our own merit or out of religious duty, but out of hunger and thirst to know God. Don't let your hunger and thirst for God be quenched by the loves of temporal fulfillments that would take you away as bait manipulate your life in a path that causes you to possibly end up in hell or far away from what God has called you to have for eternity. We go and we read in Ephesians 1, 7 to 9, 7, 1, 17 to 20, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling. See, it's when we turn with our heart and we really have a deep turning in our heart and a cry in our heart for God out of the fear of God and true humility and honesty and transparency before God and before each other. We enter into knowing God and also knowing one, one another no longer after the flesh but after the Spirit. When people don't know one another in a deep way after Christ in the Spirit, of course, there's going to be a greater tendency for hurting one another and of division and of a denominative spirit that will not be receiving of all if it doesn't fit into their mold and their concept of what they believe in their particular mold of, that they've come out of 
and some may deny that they're a denomination, but they're set up with a hierarchy somewhere in some location, maybe in California or somewhere else in the world. And there's where they get their orders, their teaching, and they become denominative and a denomination in practice. They have lost their uniqueness because they become a copycat of what's over in this place that they originated from with some maybe revival in the past of some measure. God is calling his people to be unique in each location and assembly. Doesn't mean that you don't copy the examples of those things that are good in, in other places, of course. But how many times is it, this has fallen into a hardness and a lack of love when God commands us to receive one another as, uh, as Christ received us and to love one another fervently with a pure heart. Sure, there's always going to be misunderstandings, but when there is, you don't go and talk behind someone's back. You go and you talk to them and you get to know them and then you share with them out of the spirit of meekness if there is something wrong in what they're sharing. So we go on, and I'll just finish reading this. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. The hope of his calling. Knowing it, knowing it, knowing his calling in your life and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints do you see the glory of Christ in the saints? Where you can comprehend with all saints the height and the depth and the breadth of the love of God that you might be filled with all the fullness of God? It is with all the saints, those that are walking in holiness and purity and in love for God, that we, when we gather together, begin to enter into a dimension that is far greater than in our own individual prayer lives. Of, of God's love filling us and overflowing through us with revelation. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. God is calling us to be those that enter in <clears throat> to this knowledge of God that involves knowing the, the hope that we have, how great and awesome and wonderful it is, that diamond that's in the field that you'll sell everything for. It's worth it all. You see it's worth it all. You're motivated to drop everything for it. Your priorities, your priority is not to make a bunch of money on your job or what you think is God's plan for how he will use you. It is to seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. He will see the saints as so precious and realize the riches there is in such a relationship with an assembly that you are being knit together in love with. It is allowing the fullness of God to come into you in a far greater way. And the, and the power 
the power that raised Christ from the dead. Oh, that that power would be in our lives. The power cannot be there if we are not walking a holy walk. Out of a heart. And this is not an outward holiness, obviously, I'm talking about. I'm talking about a holiness that is from the heart. That is pure in the heart. That brings every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Out of love for God. This is what God is calling his church to in these, this hour. He's calling the church to repent of its black backslidden state. He's calling your congregation to repent of limiting the fullness of the headship of Christ in your local assembly. That is why I have a book on Amazon called God Headship and Body Invasion with many suggestions of what you can do so that in your congregation you do not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assemblies. Rather, the opposite happens. You allow and facilitate everything for each member to be totally free, to function in their gifts. You're not worried about the mess. when the, Sometimes there's a mess when God moves through the body because some people are not in the spirit. You don't worry about those things. You put them in God's hands and you let God move by his spirit through the body. And when people are so used to being passive all their lives, you may have to have meetings where you let them share for five minutes, a little testimony or something that God's given them. But you do what it takes to free the body of Christ to be everything God is calling us to be in these last days, to fulfill John 17 and establish <clears throat> The presence and the glory of God in Christian community is never before upon the earth to fulfill John 17. So thank you for listening to this message. God bless you all. Continue to pray for me and support me in whatever way God leads you to do. Thank you, all of you. God bless you.